and welcome to the Just Bloody Post-It podcast for creatives and thoughtful marketers who are promoting their work on the internet. More than that, running a business, making mistakes, fulfilling their ambitions or just working out what those ambitions are. We're here for all of it. I'm your host, Helen Perry, and every week I invite an interesting person on to tell us how they're doing it and why. This time, we're going to be hearing from the creator and influencer Christabel Plummer about how she's using her 14 years of experience to work with brands and make a living out of content creation and how she helps others to do the same. But first, I want to tell you about something new. The Just Bloody Post-It membership. Oh yeah. So as well as this show every week, you may or may not know that I share Just Bloody Post-It notes. They're mini podcasts that I use to talk about what's going on with my work, thoughts on trends and current affairs, things I've learnt or been asked about. And from today, they're going to be available exclusively to members for £4 per month. Plus that, you can sign up for these weekly thoughts. Plus Well, there's going to be more to come and I'm going to ask the members what they want. Could be exclusive emails or meetups, Zooms. So you'll get all of that, plus the warm feeling of supporting a show you love. Thank you. Click the big link in my show notes that says sign up for the membership. There is a note there for you already about selling now. In the middle of a cost of living crisis, I share insights from a recent course launch how did it go? Is anyone buying anything at the moment? Go and join up and have a listen. Onwards to a new conversation. And we talk about all this stuff about charging for what you know. I've realised, you know, sometimes when people don't pay for it, they don't value it. So I've just had to set these boundaries and parameters. I've got 14 years of experience. I feel like I've been my own talent manager at times and I've definitely had to be assertive and set boundaries so I I feel like I've got so much knowledge to give to the next generation that that may have suddenly blown up on TikTok but doesn't know how to handle all this other stuff if you want to know what an influencer of 14 years thinks about what what she reads like you can follow me on Patreon you can ask me questions, you can book a one-on-one session. So I've had to just paywall some of that energy. Christabel Plummer is a creator, one of those people who doesn't have to overcome a fear of sharing what she's interested in and all about. She has a natural appetite for it. Christabel's a former knitwear designer who started her blog, I Want You To Know, in 2008. And she uses it to talk about life, fashion, travel, thoughts. She's gone on to grow a following on TikTok and Instagram and use her platform to earn money through collaborations with brands. It's not all light and fun. In a recent Instagram post, Christabel admitted going through periods of mini burnout with it all and advised Instagram to get a therapist. I'll ask her why. But first, I asked her to sum up this business of sharing your life online. Yeah, now I think of being an influencer as being like a living magazine that evolves, you know, but it's based around a person. And magazines, they're not just about selling you things. You'll get features. We used to have agony aunts back in the day. You know, there's all sorts of things. There's fashion features, lifestyle features, home features, travel features. So yeah, that's what I view it as. And obviously we're figuring out the ethics side as we go along. You know, we didn't necessarily know that we were starting mini magazines, you know, for some of us back in 
2008. I had no idea. I was a student, you know? So yeah, I think that's how I do it, basically. I don't know if everyone thinks this way. It's very hard to unite influencers at the moment. I don't know if we're all on the same page, but I just keep trying to do my thing. What was it in 2008 that led you to start your blog? And I suppose keep going with it since then. What is it in you that drives you to share what you're experiencing or learning or discovering? I mean, I've always been a creative child and also a bit entrepreneurial as well. So, you know, I always kept diaries. I tried to make a magazine, I think, when I was eight with my friend. I think it was called The Tiger Girls. So even before I had a computer, I was always creating, always drawing. You know, I used to love going on teletext. It was like the internet, wasn't it, back in the day? And then when I got my first computer, I made my first website at age 13. I wasn't supposed to. I was a bit naughty, but... I wanted to create a story every month and it only lasted like one month because everyone at school found it and they all just, you know, they left, some people left negative comments on the guest book. So I was kind of like, okay, I need to keep things a bit more private. So then I started writing home and away fan fiction, (laughs) you know, no one found that. I'm very glad no one's found that. Um, But I've always been obsessed with things, you know, obsessed with creating content online. I had Teen Open Diary. I had Bebo, Zanga, MySpace, obviously. And I think that blogging was the next, like, natural progression of that. So probably, I mean, I was always reading things like Perez Hilton. It wasn't the best blog to read. You know, it wasn't necessarily the most empowering blog to read. There was a lot of slagging off. Um... But then I I was reading the Teen Vogue blog in, you know, maybe 2007, 2008, starting to learn about personal style blogs. And because I was studying knitwear design, I thought, you know, I've got a point of view. Maybe I could do this. And it was interesting. I think someone at uni did say, like, start a blog. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So literally December 2008, just before Christmas, um, I went to this thing called the Angels Sale. So Angels is the costumer, the famous costumer. They had a massive sale in Wembley. And I was really into vintage clothing, especially like 1950s vintage clothing at the time. So I ran straight to the 1950s room, grabbed loads of clothes, and then went to the 80s room, maybe grabbed some leggings. And then when I got back to, well, back to uni in Nottingham, I blogged about it. I took the worst picture ever on my phone of all the clothes like laid out on the bed. And I spoke about the experience. At first, I didn't think I would put myself on the blog. It just became a space where I could collate my thoughts on fashion. Because even though I was studying fashion, you know, my personal style was different to what I was designing. So it was great to have an outlet for that. And then I started to understand there was a bit of a community. So it was about 2009, probably eight months after starting the blog, um, I was, yeah, starting to get invites. You know, PRs were starting to invite uh, bloggers to press days and events. And then I met some other bloggers. Yeah, that's how I started. Have you sustained that kind of curiosity for new platforms? Are you always still sort of trying different things out like obviously every every blogger I think went onto Instagram but then there are there are kind of things that have come along since then do you are you up for trying whatever or do you like oh I like my places I've got now I just want to keep creating content there I think it's part of the job that we have to be adaptable because you know the way Instagram's going at the moment forcing us to make reels you know, it's, what was I listening, I was listening to Four, that's a really good podcast, F-O-H-R, and they said literally you've got to adapt or die, I think it's going to be survival of the fittest, so 
when I first heard about TikTok in 2019, I was overwhelmed. Like it was a lot. I was trying to juggle YouTube and my blog and my Instagram. And I was just like, ah, another one, you know, like the meme. But because of lockdown, you know, I was like, okay, let me, I'm not going anywhere. I was like, let me download TikTok. And then I found, like, I, I got into it. You know, it's, I describe TikTok as rapid colonization. You know, you'll see an idea and then someone will remix the idea or they'll relate it to a TV show that was, you know, from the 90s. Like, it's so obscure at times. Like, you have to really get cultural references. But I think it keeps me on my toes. I mean, if that's what Gen Z are doing, you know, I'm glad I can keep up with it now. Because if we think about it, those people on TikTok in 10 years' time, they're going to have the buying power. So it's a good idea to, like, build your platform over there. This is now your job and your life and your business. And you've proven thus far that it's possible to have longevity as an influencer or a digital creator so are you always keeping your business mind on the future yeah I think you have to be and I think you know that's those are the skills I kind of learned as a knitwear designer because you know you, you think how do you figure out trends but it is being in touch with culture you know where are people creating you know what are people wearing in I don't know Brazil for example or or Japan or you know you, you really do have to keep your finger on the pulse, like think of what exhibitions are coming up. You know, what what year is it? Obviously, we had the Jubilee this year. Maybe there's a focus on Britishness and also the effects of colonialism. You know, what conversations are going to start? You know, it's it's like being a cultural commentator. I think that's how I see it. Not everyone is like me, but I do, yeah, I do see it as being a cultural commentator or a critic of sorts. It can be. It can be anything you want it to be, which is great. You happily will, will will move with change. I think this is something people find a, a real challenge with social media uh, and uh, and digital content is that like some people just don't like change. We don't. We don't like change. We're like, I've learned how to do it this way, and this is how I do it, and this is how I want to keep doing it. And why is Instagram? just killing me and killing my content. Um, let's go back to that little comment that you made in your Insta video about Instagram needing a therapist right now. What did you mean by that? Instagram, it's feeling threatened. We kind of expect to like see people we follow. There's friends and families. You might see them getting married, having babies, a few influences you follow, a few brands you follow. You know, that's what it's supposed to be. And I think Instagram, it's in this... I mean, how long has Instagram been going? Is it in its awkward teenage years? It might be getting towards puberty. It's maybe going into early puberty. <laughs> it's like, it's a, it, 2010. It was bought by Facebook in 2012, I think. I'm sorry if I've got those dates wrong. I so deeply wish it had a better sense of its own identity at the moment, don't you? Like I, Because, I mean, Instagram's my, always felt like my own natural home in terms of the kind of content, probably mostly the kind of content I want to consume, but also the kind of content I want to create. And um, yeah, yeah, it's it's been sad, I think. I wonder if it can find its way back to a better balance. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard at the moment. I don't know. You know, I think because of capitalism, it's naturally like, I want to be the best. I want to be the best at everything. But it really needs to go back, get a therapist or get have a coach or something, you know, to figure out what, what its USP is. You know, it is sharing beautiful photos and video I guess you know the video is a trend like we know that video 
even with when you think of blogger ads, there was definitely an awkward period when bloggers would advertise products, like, like just holding it up, like, hey, look at the product. And I think a video can work better for that. You know, it it's a different way to tell a story, but not every post needs to be a video. You know, it, what about the caption? It's like, there's so much to take in. You got the video, you got the caption. There might be a voiceover on the video. Like it's a, it's a lot. It doesn't always need to be like that. But oh, big yeah. love to uh, do you know what? The occasional very long Instagram caption, I'm here for it, honestly. And um, I think that in the same video that I watched of yours, and I'll link to it in the show notes actually, you were just talking about the long game and creating content that is not the same as everybody else is creating just so that it performs well with an algorithm, whether you're on TikTok or whether you're on Instagram. And I just think if you want to keep doing what you're doing and you want to keep sustaining the interest of like your best people genuinely, you've got to kind of try and block out a lot of this messaging around you've got to do this and you've got to do that and find a trending audio and la 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 la. It's such a distraction, I, I think. Yeah, I think we all just need to, you know, don't be like Instagram. Don't be copying everything. You know, it's trying to copy Be Real, apparently. I haven't even got on to Be Real yet. But I think you just you just need to look at yourself and why you're doing it, what makes you unique. I think the best thing I did was redesigning my blog in 2016 because I worked with a graphic designer. And my graphic designer actually asked me, like, what's the aim of your business? What sets you apart? What elements would you want from your competitors? And what elements would you not want from your competitors? And it really forced me to think, you know, what makes me unique? At that time, I came up with the tagline, you know, I want you to know is all about making the most of life, but expecting that there may be hiccups along the way. And that's perfectly fine. And there's been a lot more hiccups since then. Obviously, the pandemic, lockdowns, obviously, you know, we've probably all been through bereavement, maybe, or like, I've gone through friendship breakups. So... Um, it really helped me to figure out what my USP was. And it's, you know, it's still the same. I think at the moment, there's just been so many hiccups, but it's still really the same. And I always think it's, it's a challenge, definitely having a platform based on your own personality. Like my niche is me. Um, and I'm not always going to be the trendiest thing. I think the best thing I did was diversifying. So I used to do mainly fashion, but then the trends weren't quite right for me. But that, I think around that time, I moved into my own, well, I moved into a rented flat with others. And that gave me a chance to do more lifestyle and home content. And, you know, there's just, there's so many opportunities. If you think, if you open up your, your fridge, every product in there, every branded product is, you know, there's a marketing campaign behind that product. You could potentially work with them or even the supermarket. So it definitely forced me to think broader than just fashion. And I think that's the best thing you can do is think, how can I diversify? Do you uh, work with brands that you've approached? Do they approach you? How do you keep your books full, I guess? How do you keep the business coming in? Um, I think I'm quite lucky. I think people just come to me. They they like my point of view. Um, I'm very focused on like strong visuals. I, th- I mean, it's, I didn't even start out with strong visuals. Like, if you look at my, tw- I don't know if my 2008 posts, they might still be up, or 2009, like, they they weren't great. But, um, yeah, I've definitely, I've realised that if you can make something look good, you know, you can kind of convince people that you are good, you know? So I definitely honed my photography. I, def- I also apply my 
you know, my background as a knitwear designer to this, because obviously if you work in design, you have to follow a brief, you have to get creative. Um, you have to think like, what would, what works for the brand, but what would my audience enjoy? So I think brands just like the way I do that. Um, and also I'm not, I'm not afraid to talk to camera. I'm not afraid to do voiceovers. Um, I'm, you know, I'm quite adaptable. I mean, it feels to me, I imagine it being a competitive business to be in or actually if you've got your niche and you're self-confident and you've been around for a while actually does work come through quite steadily yeah sometimes I've had to turn work down which is a great position I'm very fortunate and grateful for that um but you know I am I'm always thinking ahead you know even now I'm thinking who do I need to reach out to before Christmas it's always good to look at who you've worked with before you know just send a little catch-up email maybe say you know I produced this recently it would be great to know if you have any Christmas campaigns coming up if I was struggling right now I would definitely sort of look at the reasons why I'm doing this look at what makes me unique look at what I can offer and then reach out to brands. You hinted earlier on that from an ethics point of view, not all influencers are on the same page. How do you keep hold of your values in your work? I mean, I always treat people how I wish to be treated. And again, I would hate to lie to people. I hate being lied to, so I wouldn't lie to people. I don't want to make people feel insecure. Again, you have to be really self-aware, like especially if you're talking about body image or, you know, race. Like there's a lot of triggering stuff out there as well. Like it can affect me, like writing about these topics, speaking about these topics. I think you have to come up with your own code of ethics, I think. I do wonder how often it ca- the emotional burden of having to talk about those kind of bigger issues as somebody who's got a profile on a platform or across various platforms, do you sometimes feel like, do you know what, I just don't really want to be having to talk about this stuff all the time? Or are you just grateful for your platform, I suppose? Yeah, it depends. Like, so I don't want to always talk about some of the difficult topics. I also want to have joyful topics. And because, you know, life isn't all heavy. And especially we've had so much heaviness over the past few years so I definitely want there to be a bit more balance you know that's how we make change happen by having these uncomfortable conversations looking deep within ourselves has your audience come along with you on that has that been a good experience yeah I'm lucky I don't get too much hate which is great um so yeah I think you know it's great to get messages where people are like you've you've changed the, my way of thinking now I think about my body as a sculpture for example because that's what I've been talking about like obviously there's so many conversations about sustainability and what you know why are we shopping so much but we have to forget like we can't forget that our bodies may have changed especially in the past two years like I I have gained weight it's gone on my middle I can't fit on my, in my clothes so I've had to buy new clothes and if clothes were designed differently, because I know this from my fashion design background, if we had like more elasticated waist or shirred panels in clothing, we could actually wear them for longer, you know, and that could actually help the sustainability conversation. You know, we have to look at why people are buying clothes. I mean, again, it, fat phobia is rife, you know, like from a young age, we've been told you've got to look this way, you've got to be this size. You know, it's a lot to unlearn. And no wonder people are over, you know, 
over-consuming. Maybe they're not happy about something within themselves. We need to go back to the root of the issue, I think. And I tend to approach it with kindness. You know, I don't want people to even buy the same. You don't have to buy the same thing that I'm wearing, but I want you to find your version for you. So if if you get inspired even by watching my content to just make a mood board, look at these designers, you know, I hope that I can help you see that, you know, fashion is for you. Even if your size isn't catered for, there are independent makers who will make clothes for you. Yeah, I watched one of your reels. It was really lovely about how you'd um, gone through the experience of uh, working with a a small designer to adapt one of their designs so that it was just the perfect dress for you. And um, I think a lot of people don't even consider that you can do that, that you could go, I really love that dress, but I'd like it like quite a lot shorter. Would you be able to do that for me? Um, And then you end up with something that not only feels better, but like you say, you're going to love it for longer and you're, you know, you're not gonna but I think it's really interesting what you say about the fact that we over consume to make ourselves feel better about things that we've been made to feel crap about how does that balance off with being an influencer though and I suppose especially at the moment everybody's very mindful of how much income or disposable income people have got over this coming winter is 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 that a conversation you're having with yourself like how do I balance off my work with what's going on in society right now yeah no it's always you've got to be aware of what's going on and what your audience may be thinking but again people we will still need to buy things (laughs) like we will still need to buy food you know again people might be shopping differently but if I think of myself as a living evolving magazine people still want to get be inspired you know so I, I will still be shopping obviously it's very mindful But maybe I'll talk about, yeah, the process of working with a small designer or, you know, adding one new piece into my wardrobe and mixing it with something from maybe two years ago that happens to fit still. Like it's going to be an interesting one. I think I was guilty in even asking you that question or having those thoughts myself of uh, perhaps I think in times like these women can be particularly keen to like silence ourselves or silence each other when it's like oh no you mustn't say that to upset people or invite them to buy something that they might want to buy that might it might they might find really valuable or useful you know I mean I am selling within my business now and you know there are people who have money to spend on things there are people who may not have as much money as they might have done and that's you know that's their decision how they want to spend it all you can do is share the value of something and then leave it with them yeah and we do need to think like we need to like understand jealousy and envy because like normally you know I think it's been said that jealousy shows you what you want and if if someone's jealous of me that's that's for them to figure out it's not on me you know um, but I always try to be, again, relatable. It's such a weird word. But again, I, I will talk about a range of things. You know, even the other day, I was speaking about the fact I've never defrosted my freezer. You know, I, I moved into my own place before the first lockdown. And then I ended up having to buy a new fridge randomly in the in the second lockdown because my literally had a week where my boiler broke and my fridge broke. I rent. So um, luckily, they replaced the boiler, but I had to buy a new fridge. And that was that was like... October or November 2020 and I haven't defrosted it and I was speaking about that and I was speaking the fact about the fact that you know the way I shop I go to different supermarkets for different things you know I go to Aldi for my my cheese and 
um, my cheese and like my nice ham, but then I go to Sainsbury's for the brands, but then I also go to the Korean supermarket for, you know, chili oil. And people found that really interesting. Someone said, I, I shop like their grandmother bunny. So I think it's also not just focusing on like, you know, high end fashion all the time, but also these other conversations about household products or, you know, what we're watching on the TV, you know, what, what are we doing to distract ourselves from this, you know, really bleak winter that we're meant to be having. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to navigate, but ultimately if someone's jealous of me or if someone, if I make someone feel bad by what I'm showing, that's not really on me. I think people are absolutely fascinated in the like day-to-day runnings of other people's lives. I think we can't get enough of it. I took um, uh, most of August off Instagram from a posting point of view. And actually, I didn't go on it a great deal. But when I did dip like back in, I just tried to take notice of the people and the content that I was interested in. And it is so the stuff that you just described about like just everyday lives, these people I've been following perhaps for years and years and years. Uh, and I'm there for the personality. I'm there for the insight into somebody else's way of living even if it's really not how I am ever going to live I'm still really interested to see how other people are doing life I guess talk to us about your content creation strategy like how much are you posting where how do you cope with the workload of that I mean I don't I don't even always hit my own goals like August was the first month that I hit my content goals. So my aim is to do one. What is the content? Post. Hold on, hold on. What is a what is a content goal for you? What, what what's that? How are you setting that? So ideally, it would be fifteen posts a month on Instagram. Um, so like one post every other day, because that's what's manageable. It's not manageable for me to do one post every day. You know, thirty-one pieces of content. I had to look. I mean, again, I don't know if you remember that there was this article and Instagram was like, you need to do four reels a week. You need to do stories every day. You need to do a live. You know, it's not, not everyone wants to do a live. Not everyone wants to do that amount of content. So I had to think what is realistic for me to aim for one post every day, every other day is realistic. Um, but I didn't hit that goal until August and August it's crazy because that's the month that most people tend to take off. It's actually my birthday month. So I was really fired up. And I know a lot of people were like mentally checked out, you know, looking after kids or whatever. But I was very much fired up. Like, let's talk about white supremacy and body image and all of these difficult topics. Um, So yeah, that's the aim. The aim is to also do stories every day. Um, Sometimes I can do quite long, you know, you'll see the dashes at the top, you'll see like hundreds of dashes because I I like to just chat through a topic. I call them my fake TED Talks. Um, I like to really get into a certain topic and I always invite, you know, feedback and other people's opinions because there are some people who are much more knowledgeable, knowledgeable than me about certain topics. And it's great to kind of have this community that I can co-create with. Um, Also TikTok. So the aim is to do, yeah, 15 TikToks a month. Um, The blog, again, the blog is still there. Ideally, I would do one blog post a month. My head, I've not been in the right headspace, but I'm hoping to start that up again. Um, And I guess, yeah, I mean, of the 15 posts a month, ideally it'd be great if maybe four of them were paid posts, but that doesn't always happen or sometimes they'll all happen, you know, in the same week, it just ends up that way that deadlines get shifted, and you end up with a lot of sponsored content all of a sudden. 
But that's just what I've kind of had to set for myself. I know some people are great at like pre-filming loads of reels in one day, but I, I like things to be a bit more organic sometimes. Sometimes I don't always know what I want to do at the start of the month. I know I've totally given up on content planning to that extent I just I sort of have to respond to how I'm feeling a little bit in a given week I mean sometimes like you say you'll have stuff that you need to get out there because you're promoting a certain thing or you've got a bit of sponsored content that you need to share but in terms of my own content it just has to come a bit more it just has to come to me on the day or the day before. That's just the it's just the way I work. And I've just decided to allow myself that rather than being a person who batches content. And I wonder, do you see a goal as something that almost like you're un, unlikely to reach? So you just keep it up there as a challenge to get towards or do you beat yourself up if you don't achieve it? Um, no, I think it's yeah, good to have it as like a, and you know, something to reach I would never beat myself up I know that beating yourself up shaming yourself just doesn't work you know it, it just makes you feel worse and it is great if you have another content creator friend who's like-minded that you can confide in you know I used to do my blogger support group you can sit with us London I've always tried to like unite influencers but it's, I, I'm having to now take a step back because it was affecting me you know I think I just always feel the need to help people and make my content useful again I don't know if that's a like a weird, I don't know, it's probably only something I need to go to therapy about. Um, the fact that, you know, even the way I rent, so I went, I rent for a scheme called Intermediate Rent and I felt like I had to be open about that because I thought people would just look at me and think, how can she do that by herself? She must be rich. Like, I'm, I'm not rich. It's great. Like, it's weird that people think that all influencers are rich and what is rich as well? Like, how do we, we all have different ideas of what rich is. I mean, you can be rich in other ways. I think maybe because I'm rich in other ways, people may perceive me to have a certain income. Um, but yeah, I think I, I felt the need to be open about everything, but now I'm, I have a Patreon and my Patreon is kind of like, and an evolving multidisciplinary, you know, I love those words, an evolving multidisciplinary newsletter. And that's where I will do the coaching. Like if you want to be coached by me, if you want to know what an influencer of 14 years thinks about what, what she reads, like you can follow me on Patreon. You can ask me questions. You can book a one-on-one -on -one session. So I've had to just paywall some of that energy because I think when you're giving, I don't know, when you're, you're forcing people to come along with you, and they're not ready you know it's not the best use of your energy so yeah I think that's I think that's uh, there's loads about that that's so interesting and I've started recently looking at because the, the a lot of the message that I got when I was building my audience and starting my business is give away for free give away for free give away for free and I and I you know I get I find that hugely rewarding sharing stuff as you obviously do as well when somebody pings you back and goes thanks that was like properly useful and you're like Excellent. I'm so glad I could help. Um, however, it, 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 you just it, you can be find yourself giving more and more and more and more to the point where you just think, God, what on earth am I doing? There's hardly any time left for me to do other things. And actually, maybe this would be neater if there was a way that people could pay to access certain parts of your work and so I'm coming around to that idea myself actually so I find that really interesting that that's what you started to do as well explain to me exactly how that works then so people pay a few pounds to be part of a newsletter group or do they get to spend time with you on zoom or how, how are you managing that yeah so I've got patreon which it just works for me because I can 
you know, one day post a link to something, it might be a, an article or a podcast, or one day I might put out my own video just talking about a certain topic. Um, so the lowest, I think the the lowest price you can pay is £3 a month. So that allows you access to all the posts. I've kind of, I try to keep it really democratic, um, democratic. So we'll also have a monthly Zoom, you know, drinks. I know people are probably sick of Zoom, but it's just the easiest way because not everyone's based in London. Um, and then the higher tiers, um, I can't remember the exact tiers, but I think maybe £20 a month gets you access to a meetup in London um, where we can chat strategy. Like I love to chat strategy with people, but I've realised... You know, sometimes when people don't pay for it, they don't value it. So I've just had to set these boundaries and parameters. I think the highest, there's a there's a tier for brands. So if brands want to pick my brain, they can go through Patreon. Um, if you're an influencer or a small business that wants to pick my brain, I think that's £100 a month. So that's in a, like a special introductory rate. But I think, you know, I, I do, I accept there's a cost of living crisis. So not, it's not going to be at the forefront of everyone's minds, but I've just put it out there. I'm boundaring that sort of side of my content, but I obviously still produce a lot of stuff for free on my on my Instagram and my TikTok. But I think all the stuff which is a bit more strategic, that is going to be paywalled. I think that's, I think in lots of ways, a brilliant thing for you and for the people involved, because then they're thinking like, do I need this? Am I, am I really going to act on what I learn? If I've paid for it, I'm more likely to. It's another income stream for you that you're really in control of. And it means that you don't necessarily have to think, oh, I've got to get that up on the blog or I've got to get that out onto, you know, it, you've got a specific audience who are ultra interested in one aspect of what you do and one part of your knowledge base. Uh, and just thinking out loud, because I run a lot of courses and courses are great when you do them, but lots of people kind of buy courses and don't do them. And that's like the big downside of courses for me. But actually, if you buy into like a so almost like a mini membership, like you've got running, maybe that can be a, a better way for some people to learn and access information. Just a thought. Yeah, I would love for that to happen. I mean, again, I want to help the next generation of content creators. I don't even, because I feel like there's a lot of Gen Z content creators who are maybe TikTok first, but then they, I've got 14 years of experience. I feel like I've been my own talent manager at times and I've definitely had to be assertive and set boundaries so I, I feel like I've got so much knowledge to give to the next generation that that may have suddenly blown up on TikTok but doesn't know how to handle all this other stuff. James Nord who runs a, a podcast or you can see it on YouTube actually just every week he gives like 10 minutes thought on um, the content marketing industry but actually it applies however you're if you're sharing for your own business or you know anything like that it still applies and um, he talks about how actually longevity for influencers on TikTok you know that's a real issue it's because it's such a trend-led platform you're less building a, a, a community there uh, so what would your big so go and check out James Nord I'll link to that in the show notes as well but what are your big bits of advice for people who want to get into the content marketing industry at the moment there's a massive opportunity over on TikTok I mean you see people even in, like working in a pub kitchen you know sharing the process um sometimes getting fired so I think that has happened as well so be careful but I think there's definitely a need for people to speak about certain industries. Like, say you work in PR, you could be doing stuff like what goes on behind the scenes in in PR. Or um, who was I talking to? Someone who was a 
um, oh, I'm trying to remember, like someone who was a fashion designer, you could talk about what goes on behind the scenes at certain brands. You have to be very careful not to like give away certain confidential information. But I think people just want to know the gossip, you know, it could be, um, yeah, a really interesting chance to like get people interested in your industry. So there's definitely an opportunity there. Um, definitely know what your USP is. Um, you know, think broadly, read widely, join my Patreon, because you can see how widely I read. I read all kinds of different things. I love looking at like the business of fashion. Um, you can learn so much, like there's so much free, there's a lot of free resources out there. Um, I, I've always been very um, resourceful as well. And, you know, I will find out, you know, that nugget of information. And what's key, do you think, to the fact that you've been doing this for 14 years now and, and you are still here and you're still uh, working steadily? What do you think? Why does that? How do you, how have you set yourself apart from other people who've come and gone in that time? I mean, I've just I'm tough. I'm, I'm I was kind of like because I, I stopped doing knitwear design and I was like, I can't I can't get back into knitwear design. So I have to kind of make this work. And I think. That, you know, I use creativity to wait to make something work. I sort of think if I want this to be my job, what do I need to do? Okay, I need a USP. I need a reason for people to come to me. I need to think about where we sit in this industry. Okay, we're living magazines. How does a 35 year old black woman, you know, present herself as a living magazine that appeals to a wide range of people? So I, I just do that. Basically, I think strategically, I read you know, um, obviously we, we mentioned the four James Nord series. That's great. It's great to look at what Americans are doing because they tend to be further ahead in some respects. Um, also, sometimes Instagram even gives out advice. You know, they've got all sorts of pages on their website about their new features, like recommendations. Um, you know, it's kind of like playing the game, but to a certain point, not copying everything like Instagram does. Just thinking like, what do people need at this time? You know, we've had two and a bit years of a pandemic we've had social uprisings we've you know we've all we're all talking about sustainability what needs to happen and I I think people need to remember the context when I was speaking about body image they need to remember the context of why they may feel in a certain way you know I grew up in the toxic noughties decade watching the OC reading heat magazine with celebrity weights um, reading Bridget Jones's diary like that was so toxic in some places so I think okay how can I bring that knowledge into what I'm creating I do my try on videos you know I'm honest I don't pretend that everything is perfect because everything is not perfect I don't go to the shops and everything fits you know um, so I just I just am myself I'm not afraid to be myself I'm not afraid to be vulnerable about certain topics I know it's not for everyone but it, it works for me I'm so grateful for your time, Christabel. Thank you. And um, I think it's a real insight to hear your thoughtfulness around everything that you do and how, how much you, you put into keeping it um, relevant and uh, to the people that are consuming what you're, what you're putting out there. It's brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. I love a chat. <laughs> It's interesting, isn't it? When you've got something on your mind, the universe sends all kinds of signs that you're not alone, like Instagram's identity crisis, who isn't feeling that, and creating space to charge more for your work. Perhaps you can think of 
different ways to do that too. I'd love to know what you're thinking about it. Email or DM me, you know how to find me. If you want more marketing goodness now, then click the link in the show notes to sign up for the Just Bloody Post-It membership and listen to my thoughts on how to sell well in the economically stormy autumn of 2022. Much love and thanks always for your time. I'll be back next week with another juicy conversation. Bye for now.